Thanks for joining us today. We believe God is going to do great things in your life and we want to hear about it. Send us your story at mystory@summitestate.com and let us know what he's done for you through this ministry. If you'd like to partner with us or bless us with a financial gift, go to summitestate.com and give an amount that works best for you. Now enjoy the message and have a blessed day. Yep, you're free to make any choice you want. Man, thank God I'm a Texan. I'm an American. I can do what I want to do. Yep, you can make any choice you want. But what you can't do is choose the consequences of what you chose to do. You don't get a vote on that one. And that's what I want to talk about. That message was the blame game, about taking personal responsibility. Don't you think if you're too young, you probably can't relate to it, but my goodness, if you're 50 years old or 45, surely you can go back to realize that we've come a long way in our culture uh, about not being responsible for anything. We have no-fault insurance, no-fault divorce. How many of you know somebody's at fault? Hello? I mean, I'm not dumb. Somebody's at fault. Uh, King Saul said, the people made me. Adam said uh, in the Garden of Eden, the woman you gave me, God, she made me. What? And the woman said, the serpent made me. And then political groups say, well, the special interest group who paid millions, they paid me. That's why I did what I did or voted like I voted. I mean, nobody's responsible for anything in our country, and yet we are. God holds us accountable. We are responsible. You know, when you have people who manage responsibility well, they feel good about themselves. And when people are irresponsible, they make statements like, well, it's my life, it only, it's only about me. But when you act irresponsible, it affects other people too. Our prisons are filled with irresponsible people, and we as taxpayers are paying the bill for their irresponsibility. There are moms that don't have a husband or kids that don't have a dad because some irresponsible drunk shot and killed them, and now that mom or, or, or family is without a loved one. The cost is immeasurable. But the Bible says no man lives to himself or dies to himself. We're all connected. What you do affects other people. It does. It's not just about you. So we, we learned in that lesson that we have to assume personal responsibility. You know, King David gets a lot of high praise. Let me tell you what made him great. This guy committed adultery, took another man's wife, killed the husband to cover it up. But when he was confronted by God through the prophet Nathan, he said, I'm the man. I think God was so stunned. Somebody actually took responsibility. He made him the greatest king Israel ever had and compared every king after him to David because everybody else said, it's not my fault. Not my fault. Listen, I don't care what you did. You walk up to me, look me in the eye, and say, it's my fault. I did it, and I'm wrong. You won't get anything but love and compassion from me. Nothing. I mean, that's the quickest way out that I could imagine. The moment your lips start flapping and excuse-making and she and he and all, I'm th what I'm thinking, I'm not saying. But what I'm thinking is not good. Anybody else got the same kind of a, an attitude? Yeah. Well, can I? Oh, here's a funny one. I remember I imported a car from Germany 40 years ago. I'm driving down the interstate to Savannah, Georgia in it, and it doesn't have a speedometer in it because it's in kilometers. I don't know what it is, and I'm flying, and the highway patrol pulls me over. And this was the first and only time of my life I actually could tell the policeman, the highway patrol, it's not my fault. And he looked in. <laughs> And he saw that car I had just imported and hadn't had it 
just got it, and I was going to change the speedometer. And he says, follow me, I'll take you up to the speed limit, and then you'll know what it is. And I didn't get a ticket. But every other ticket I ever get or got since then, I'm guilty. I am responsible. I knew better. I did it. Okay. Don't you like a fresh approach? I'd like to hear a few other preachers say that, because we know it's true. Okay. So we're going to do one other thing. We discovered that in a community, whether it's two people, a family, a church, an organization, a business, a sports franchise, a city, a state, or a nation, when a community of any size of people take responsibility, they don't need a lot of rules and regulations. The rules and regulations are not for the lawful, they're for the lawless. Why do we have signs everywhere, don't mess with Texas? Because we're nasty people and we throw trash out. If we didn't, we wouldn't have to pay for all those signs, right? Right. So the rules are made for the lawless people. What a sad story, because when God created the earth and God created man, he just had one rule. Don't eat that tree. Anything else, have a good time. Boy, we get to heaven, a couple of us ought to whip up on Adam bad. Smack him around good, you jerk. You don't know all the de- See, he could say, well, it was my life. I lived to myself. But through Adam's sin, he passed it on to all of us. And now we live with this broken world because of his little independent irresponsibility, and the cost was immeasurable. So today we're going to talk about a new kind of a principle. I remember in high school being taught the Archimedes principle. A long time ago, this guy named Archimedes explained why rocks sink and ships float. Now, rocks had been sinking, ships had been floating for centuries before he came along, but he was the first person to explain this phenomenon in a mathematical equation or formula. And he discovered the relationship between buoyancy and gravity. Now, according to his principle, the buoyant force is equal to the displaced liquid. He discovered that a weight could be supported in a liquid if the weight of that object was counterbalanced by the displacement of water on the subject. And now the point of all this is that Archimedes did not invent that principle. He discovered it. You know, people have been leveraging this principle ever since to create massive, multi-thousand ton ships and equipment that float. How many of you have ever been on a cruise? Okay, that sucker is hundreds of thousands of tons, and yet it floated. Why? Archimedes' principle. If you obey that principle, you float. If you don't, you sink. It's just God is not up in heaven saying, I think I'll let that sink. I think I'll let that float. God hadn't got anything to do with it. God set that principle, that law of physics in motion, and you can use it or you can abuse it. It's just that simple. Uh, Here's one. How about gravity? Did you know gravity, just like every principle in the Bible and in the universe that God put there, works for everybody the same? Whether you're educated, uneducated, whether you're rich or poor, whether you're pagan or Christian, whether you are millennial or a senior citizen, white, black, Hispanic, or Asian, if you jump off, you're coming down. Would you agree? Now, see, I don't get you don't have any problem agreeing to that, and I don't care what your background is. You say, well, I don't believe it. Well, jump. 
doesn't matter if you believe it, the principle's still going to work. And I'm going to show you that all the principles God put in here can be used for your advantage or abused to your disadvantage. And these principles are not good or bad, godly or ungodly. They're just principles. It's just a, a law, like gravity is a law. Nobody invented it. It was discovered. So once you understand a principle, you can leverage it to your own advantage. And the principle I want to talk to you about today is sowing and reaping. And that, that's also used a lot about judgment. But it's not its intent. Its intent was completely neutral. It's a simple law written into the universe that what you sow is what you reap. You can use it or you can abuse it. It's that simple. But if you understand it, you'll quit blaming God. There's a principle, as you know, my background's aviation and aeronautics. And the rule of aviation and aeronautics is thrust, lift, and drag. The three factors that determine whether you're going to fly or fall. So I have to have enough thrust to create lift under the wings to overcome the drag of the weight of the plane and the gravity of the earth. If the thrust will exceed that drag, I lift and I fly. If I don't, I crash. Well, God must leave God out of it. He put this, he put this physics in the universe, and it's there to bring order and absolute predictability. I got this video off YouTube. This is a 747 cargo freighter coming out of Afghanistan. It's not a passenger plane, but I want to show you the principle. Keep your eye on that 747. There he comes. He's climbing. Now watch. He's slowing down, slowing down. He stalled, dead stop. Now it falls over to the right. And it's coming down with drag and gravity. Now, that is so clear to understand a principle. There's nothing wrong with the 747, nothing wrong with the earth, and don't put God in it. The people that loaded that airplane did not strap down the cargo, and the minute that 747 started to climb, the cargo slid to the back of the plane. And there wasn't enough thrust in the engines to overcome that drag, and gravity brought it right down. It was as simple as that. They broke a law of physics, and the result is catastrophic. Now, I wanted you to see that about some of these principles God gives us, because God wants to limit chaos in your life and bring order. He really does. But you have to play by the principles he's given to you. And nobody preaches this, what I'm about to tell you, that a pagan who uses a principle God put in the earth gets the benefit. That's why he can have a better marriage than a Christian. He can have better economic stability than a Christian. He can have better relationships, everything better than a Christian, because whether he knows it or not, understands it or not, he's operating according to a principle that brings a great reward. These principles don't get you into heaven. They just get a little bit of heaven on earth. So if you learn them, you can use them, and they're no respecter of people. That makes me mad that some people secularly are much more successful than Christians because they're using the principle, and we ignore it. So I'm for you today. This is not mean. This is like, wake up. 
wake up. You're not a victim. You get the power to choose what's going to happen. So God's never against me. I can leverage this principle of sowing and reaping for my advantage, or I can let it work against me. God's not sitting in heaven deciding whether today to punish you or to bless you. If I, break, if I smoke three packs of cigarettes for 20 years, and I wake up, and finally I've got a problem, I go to the doctor, he says, you got lung cancer, and you say, well, I guess God's judging me. No, fool, you judged you. You made bad choices. Quit. Blaming the devil and God for your choices. When I make a choice, I get a result. So there is satanic attack. There is. But I'm afraid many Christians call satanic attack what really is the result of bad choices. And that's not right, and it's not biblical. And God's saying, don't blame me. Even the devil's saying, don't blame me. You smoked them. I didn't. You have the power to choose. Okay. Uh, we, we are, we're, we're not victims. We get to choose what we want to do, and the result can be catastrophic. Well, I'm going to Galatians 6 for a little bit of context here. Galatia is written to the people of Galatia, the book of Galatians. It's a Roman province in Asia Minor. And Paul wrote the letter 35 years after Jesus ascended into heaven. Churches are springing up all over the coastline of Asia Minor. And now he's planted a church in Galatia. So he's writing to them, explaining some principles of Christian growth. He's contrasting our responsibility to help other people against our tendency to want ourselves to be helped when we don't want to take responsibility for our own lives. So he, he begins in verse 3 by saying, If any of you think you're something when you're nothing, you deceive yourself. Paul is saying it's easy to deceive yourself when you compare yourself to other people. He said, each of you should test your own actions. So as long as I'm comparing myself to those around me, determining that I'm better than some or not quite as good as others, I run the risk of deceiving myself and to not being responsible. You have to hold yourself to your own standard, Paul says. Then you can take pride for feeling good about yourself without comparing yourself to somebody else. So as long as I'm comparing myself to others, I'm going to make excuses for not being responsible with what I do have, my own life. So it's only when you tune out everybody else's status in life, you begin to touch your own potential and take on your own God-given responsibility. Then he goes on to say, for each of you should carry your own load. That means each of you should take responsibility, your own part of the pie. In any problem, I've got some part of responsibility, whether small or large. So I said, I should carry my own load. I should take responsibility for myself. I have family responsibilities, financial responsibilities, opportunities in life that are specific to you and me. Don't compare your opportunities with other people's opportunities. When you do that, you take your eyes off your own responsibilities. If you resist that temptation and you can manage your responsibility well, God says you're going to make good progress. Then he warns the Galatians in verse 6 not to use their responsibility to extend charity to people in need as an excuse for not being personally responsible to themselves. And then verse 7, he bears down pretty hard. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Anybody but me ever uh, try to outsmart your mother when you were in school? Mom, I don't know what happened. Teacher didn't tell us there's going to be a test. Well, don't you worry, honey. I'm going to go make an appointment with that mean teacher and put her in her place. God says, okay, you got away with that with, with mama, but you're not going to get away with me. 
you're not going to outspark me. Be not deceived. You cannot mock God. So there are places where you can deceive people, but God says, not in my kingdom. I remember growing up in a church environment where I mistakenly thought that I could run to church on Sunday, and no matter what I did all week, I could pray the magic prayer. God would never think about it anymore. There wouldn't be any consequences anymore because I prayed the magic prayer. It was a great system. It, it just wasn't true. Paul said, God's not stupid, Rick. God doesn't have amnesia. I am responsible. So I'm not going to get away with it, although I thought I was. God's not going to give me a permission slip. So Paul says, don't be deceived. Don't try to play a spiritual game. Now watch this. Does God forgive sin? Yeah. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from them and says, I will remember them no more. Great. So here's a good lesson to walk away with today. God has already paid the penalty of my sin, my sins, past, present, and future. The penalty has already been paid. The wages of sin is death. Jesus died, took judgment in my place. I'll never be judged again because I've received him. However, the one thing he doesn't do is he does not make the consequences of my bad choices go away. My penalty of it has been paid for. But I've got to, you know, if you mistreat your wife for 15 years and she files for divorce, and then you fall down, come to church for a marriage seminar, run to the front and say, I'm sorry, I'm wrong, I repent, please forgive me. God does. She doesn't. Well, you can't blame her. You're going to have to earn that trust, and you might not ever get that back, but yes, you're forgiven. Now, does that make sense? Yeah, she doesn't have to, she doesn't have to bring you back, and might not. But th that's not discussed a whole lot. So, yeah, God has forgiven. The penalty is already paid. I'll give you one. When I was in the rock and roll band in college, we used to leave the University of South Carolina and go play at Alabama and Auburn, and we'd do these rock and roll concerts, and we'd get in a, the car with the truck. God bless you. And uh, that felt good to me. I don't know. <laughs> and, and we would drive as fast as we could. We'd get there in time for the gig. Then we would have to get in that car, all eight in two cars, five in one, and I never will forget, we would take uppers to try to stay awake to get all the way back so we'd be in class in college the next day. I can remember us fools driving 90 and 100 miles an hour at 2 a.m., and instead of stopping, we would hold the steering wheel while the next guy slipped in under the seat and held the steering wheel. I'm talking stupid, <laughs> stupid. And I remember driving in Florida and into the sun coming up, and I woke up the next morning with bright, like a flashbulb went off in my eyes. And it didn't go away after a week, and I went to an eye doctor, and I had burned my retina. Now, my stupidity is forgiven, but the, re the retina burn, the scar tissue, is to this day still there, and it won't ever go away. And I just have to live with that fact that, yeah, my stupidity, my ignorance, my rebellion, my lawlessness was forgiven. God will never judge me for it, but my retina did and still does. Interesting, huh? Do you see what I'm trying to say? That the consequences are yours. The penalty has been paid, but you still have to ride, ride those consequences out. Maybe I can give you a few more illustrations and, and you kind of get it. So Paul says, 
People reap what they sow. Now, that is a principle that is not good or bad, uh, righteous or unrighteous, Democrat or Republican, uh, conservative or liberal. That is white or black. That's a law in the universe that works for everybody. Uh, in Genesis, they call it seed time and harvest. So here's, here's the world in disorder. God says He's the author not of confusion, but of order, of peace. So God put laws into the universe to assure peace and to limit chaos. So I don't want chaos in my marriage. I don't want chaos in my finances. I don't want chaos in my relationships or my health. So God says, well, great, Rick. I love you. But if you'll use these principles, I'll allow you to limit chaos and bring order. So if you dwell with your wife in an understanding way, if each submits to one another in the fear of God, uh, deferring to one another, and I'm just quoting Ephesians, God says, uh, I'll, I'll give you a, a pretty good marriage. If you don't, well, you still go to heaven, but you might be a five-time divorcee. You're just violating those principles. I can't help you. So if I do that with money and I overspend and I don't handle my money, I'm going to be broker than the Ten Commandments. I'm always going to be the tail, never the head. And I can't blame God or the government or anybody else. I'm the one spending my money, right? Okay, come on, talk to me. See, I'm not going to be a good Republican or Democrat or whatever. I'm just going to say, you broke, you broke a law. Like that jet, you're coming down. It's as simple as that. You don't need four years of counseling. Right? I mean, some people, some people are just stupid. They just, don't you get it? After four marriages, don't you figure the only thing that's the same is you? So maybe something in you needs to change. But if you operate in these principles, you get a good result. If you don't, it's going to be chaos. So God's for you, not against you. So you can keep so, you know, you, you, you sleep around, suddenly you're pregnant. I guess God's judging me. No, God didn't sleep with you. He isn't judging you. <laughs> you reap what you sow. You've been sowing, you're going to reap something. It comes a baby. It's no surprise. And again, you're gonna, I'm going to give you some good news in just a second, but I'm trying to get you to take responsibility and get God out of this equation saying, I've given you life and death, I've given you principles for order, and you won't, you won't use them. So I want you to use them. Bill Sitter has a financial freedom class coming up Saturday at 3. It's free. That's the Christian F word. Free. Free. Free child care. Free. And yet people are in here in horrible financial bondage who won't go sit for an hour and learn some biblical principles on how to manage money. God wants you to prosper, but He can't prosper you just because you get some pimp on TV who says, if you'll give your best offering today, God's going to give you a hundredfold in 24 hours, you dirty liar. It's not going to happen. If I spent 15 years getting in debt, I'm not going to get out in one hallelujah, praise God offering. What a dumb, and yet people by the millions give millions away to a pimp. You know, I'm not a good Christian, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> if somebody's hustling you, I'm telling you, they're hustling you. You can get out of debt, but you're not going to get out of debt like that. That's just somebody manipulating you through witchcraft to do what they want you to do, not what God has asked you to do. So you reap what you sow. 
And I'm going to show you another principle here is you reap more than you sow and you reap later than you sow, right? So, so I, hope, I hope this is a, I've heard their testimony publicly, so I hope I'm not being indiscreet here, but Bonnie and Dave Walker, who are uh, great members of this church and serve so faithfully, and I love them dearly, have a testimony where old Dave did the old stupid thing and left his lovely wife to go sow his wild oats. And then after, after years of, like all of us have done at some point, playing the fool, got right with God, decided he wanted his wife and a marriage to be stable. And I don't think Bonnie was real impressed. The fact that, well, you're right with God now. Great for you. You've left me in chaos. You've been a wreck to my life. You've been out having fun, supposedly, and now you want to make things right. Now, you know, Bonnie didn't have to take him back. And she wasn't going to take him back. But I appreciate Dave's persistence in saying, I'm going to start doing what I never did, and I'm going to do it faithfully, and I'm going to do it until she's remarried to somebody else. I'm going to keep doing it. And he did for years, and they remarried, and they served God together in here, and you won't meet a finer couple anywhere on planet Earth. And I salute both of you for your tenacity. But just because you come forward and say, Rick, pray for me, Gloria's divorcing me and going to leave me, I'm afraid I can't solve that problem with one prayer. You caused it, now you're going to have to sow your way out of it, and there's no guarantee she has to take you back. You can get on with a good life, but you might not get that back. That's the consequences of bad seed. Some of you, have, some of you would agree with me, non-condemning. I saw my father at 58. I saw his health. And I said, that's my future, that's my DNA, if I don't make better choices than my dad. And I decided then, I think I was 36, that was never going to happen to me. And the other day I turned 73, and it ain't never happened to me. And I, it isn't because I'm lucky. It is the grace of God, yes, but it's also good choices exercise, diet, a good positive attitude, and good advice from nutritionists and people because I want to stay healthy to enjoy my children's children, and I want to be strong to the finish in what I'm doing. And, and I'm saying, this is not to condemn anybody. It's just to say, you would agree with me if I'd have taken better care of myself. I'm in the fix I'm in. I'm in the medical condition I'm in because I did it. Well, we got too much rich food in this country. Yeah, and you bought it. And look, I love sugar like the cartel loves cocaine. I love it. I'm being honest. I love it. I could shoot up every day with that stuff. And my wife's a great cook. But I just say no. No, I want my suit to fit. I want my pants to fit. And I don't want to give my money to these doctors over here. I'm not worried about health care. I'm going to stay healthy. I know how bad the health care is. But if you're going to abuse your body and you don't care, you're going to get type 2 diabetes, high blood pressure, you're going to get clogged arteries, you're going to have all kind of problems self-inflicted. Yes. Leave God out of it. Well, you know, I'm big bone. No, you big mouth. You just keep eating. <laughs> See, this is, this is why I don't do counseling. But hey, holy cow, it's true. You could be a pagan sitting in here and say, that's true, Rick. I don't like it, but it's true. I'm on, I know I shouldn't, but it's true. It is true. And it's truth that makes us free. So if you sowed irresponsibility for five years and then you become a Christian, great. 
You're forgiven. God loves you. God's for you. But you're still reaping the consequences of a lot of bad seed. There's no exceptions to that. You can't wish or pray or love or serve or give your way out of that. It just is. I can't go back and get my eye fixed anymore. I regret a few choices I made years ago in my young— Anybody here but me— regret a few choices that you thank you being honest I'm with you man I'm with you I, boy that was dumb I wish I hadn't done that uh, and the consequences now God's been good and God's gracious and God's merciful but there's still some repercussions of the choices that you made you know if if you don't have to sit under abuse. You don't have to sit with an alcoholic spouse or who's going to beat you up or something like that. You, I heard Dr. Phil say, you're not a victim. You're a volunteer. You just keep doing it. And I, I can't help you. But if I violate those rules, I'm going to pay for it. You might be sent to jail when that wife picks up speed dial and hits 911, you're going to jail. Uh, get Brother Rick, come pray for me. Well, I'll pray for you, but you've committed abuse and you're going to pay the price for it. That's just that simple. See, it's not, this law isn't good or bad. It's just a law in the universe, and it works for everybody. It doesn't matter what nation you live in, whether you voted Republican or Democrat, whether you believe in spiritual gifts. It doesn't matter. While you're asleep, seed time and harvest, sowing and reaping is working. Whether you believe it or not, it's working. It's working every day, every night. 24-7, it never stops, the sowing and reaping. It's an eternal, immutable principle of God. So, the Bible teaches that you can reap later and you can reap greater. Later is why we always easily give up doing the right thing because we want quick results. You might do the right thing without seeing fruit for days, weeks, months, or a couple of years. Later is why people who are doing wrong get envied for their seemingly good fortune because they're not reaping yet, right? Later is why we question our choices being so diligent when it appears nothing is happening because of it. Later is why we give up too soon. Now, greater can be even harder. This is the emotional part because it's not fair in our minds. This sowing and reaping is not a one-to-one -one principle. Uh, what you sow, you'll reap. It'll be greater than you imagined. It's not commensurate. So a person who's been irresponsible with his money might say, I know I haven't been responsible, but I don't deserve this. Well, you need to get rid of the word fair because all God says is, I will multiply the seed you sow, including bad seed. Uh, he that sows to the wind will reap a whirlwind. Every married husband knows a little bit about that. Well, I don't know why she had such a reaction. I mean, it was just a, I just, a dust, a little dust devil. She made it a F5 tornado. It's going to come back greater than you sowed. You're going to reap worse than you sowed, more than you sowed, and later than you sowed. So the principle of sowing and reaping is not fair and balanced. It's just always greater than what is sown. Uh, somebody breaks in your house threatens your family, but suddenly they're stopped, they run, they're got, they get away, but they're captured. They're put on trial. The whole incident in your home took, let's say, 30 minutes. The judge says to the criminal, you committed a 30-minute crime, therefore you get 30 minutes in jail. How many of you know it does not work that way? You're going to reap greater than you sowed. You may end up with a 15-year prison term. See? 
You expect fair. Forget it. This principle doesn't work on fair or unfair. It says that whatever you sow, you're going to reap later, and you're going to reap greater. So it's like Archimedes' principle. The boat will float every time if you obey the rule. God's given us a gift. Every time you're responsible or irresponsible, you reap the benefit or the consequences. And what you reap will most likely come later, but always greater. So you ought to be warned about that. So what do you do with this knowledge? If there's any area of your life, finance, money, dating life, relationships, marriage, your professional life, where you're not where you ought to be or want to be, chances are, chances are you have sown and reaped yourself there in some capacity. You didn't get where you are today, today, right? And if you start with good health practices, you're not going to get healthy by tomorrow. But I guarantee you, you're going to get better if you start. So sometimes it's obvious, our sowing and reaping. Sometimes it's not so obvious. But all I know is a couple of things you can do if you find yourself where you don't want to be. Go back in your mind and say, what is my part of the pie? What is my part of responsibility in this marriage? Well, she and she, or well, he and he. Yeah, but what's your part? I can't help her part. What's my part? Think hard and don't deceive yourself. So if you don't like where your marriage is or what's happening with your teenagers or on your job, ask yourself, gut honest, what's my part of this problem, my situation? Because I don't believe it's always 100% somebody else's fault. Maybe you're unhappy with your relationship with your children. And men, I ask, are you present with them emotionally? When you come home from work, do you still thinking about work? What's your slice of the pie? And remember, the reaping is never balanced. It's never proportionate to what you've sown. So you still have to work and focus on what you're responsible for. Your responsibility may be large or it may be small, but it doesn't matter. You can leverage this principle for good. And some of you need to do some really hard thinking about it. Paul says you've got to carry your own load. I'm not worried about my wife's load or somebody else's, my responsibility. That is the only thing I'm responsible for, and I'm going to make sure I fulfill it. The second thing to do is a little bit harder is start doing what you should have been doing all along. It's never too late to start over. It's slower, it takes longer, but it's possible. Here's what Paul says, let us not be weary in doing good, for at the proper time, in due time, we will reap if we don't give up. There's a due date for a human being, nine months. If you're a kitty cat, I, I think it's six weeks, eight weeks, something, a litter. If you're an elephant, it's three years. Aren't women glad it ain't three years? But that's the due date. So there's a due date on all things that we sow. I don't know when that due date's coming due. I can remember a few things that have blessed me that have come in years after I practiced sowing that. I'd almost even forgot about it. But the principal never forgot about it. It's always working. It's always working. Generosity is always working out there. Kindness is always working out there. Giving mercy to somebody is always working out there. It'll come back on you when you need it one time, and you'll forget because you sowed mercy. You're going to reap some mercy. This is really good. Some judgmental Christians don't get it. It's not condoning bad behavior to be merciful. Jesus was merciful. We're meaner than snakes. Really, I don't have to agree with everybody I'm kind to. I don't agree theologically, politically, economically with a lot of people. 
but I can be kind, I can be merciful, and be a friend and try to understand and gain access into that life, and maybe in time have a little impact or influence in it. I'm so I didn't start off that way, and I was wrong. I, 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 I like that. I don't want to be a mean church, but I want to be blunt and frank to say, hey, mostly you're responsible for your own life. Mostly you are. Nobody made you. Well, my daddy did this, and my mama did that, and my daddy was married and divorced five times. I've been married 43 years to the same woman over here. I get to choose. I get to choose. I'm glad she didn't kill me. She chose. I'm sure she had thoughts, but she chose. We all have thoughts. I get to choose how I'm going to respond to everything. So do you. God says in Deuteronomy 30, I set before you life and death. Choose life. You get to choose. God won't do it for you. He lets you choose. Well, Lord, bless my marriage. I can't, fool. You're breaking every rule I put down. Start obeying some rules, and I will. Lord, I'm broke. Help me. All right, go to the Bill Sitter's financial freedom class. He's going to show you what you're doing wrong, and then you're going to have the guts to suck it up and start doing it. And the nice thing is, just as you reap later and you reap more on the negative, it works to the positive. You can start again to sow yourself out of a mess. You may not be able to reverse everything in your health, but you can live healthier. You can start now and say, no more of this, no more of this. And it will at least improve your life. It can improve your marriage, your relationships, your financial situation. And it, 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 God makes the promise. And when you sow it, you might be shocked how quick God will multiply it. And you say, wow, that was faster than I thought. That's grace and that's mercy. I love that about our Lord. I've seen couples whose financial world is completely in shambles. They get in a class, they start obeying simple principles, and many times they find themselves on a financial wave they never thought was possible. We've had people living in cars come to this church who ended up then in a reversal with a good job, an apartment to rent, and some clean clothes, making a contribution. And I thought, wow, see, what was the difference? Sewing and reaping. They changed what they were sowing. But why don't we get on with this deal and learn to work with this principle? You know, I don't know. You can't make excuses. No more pointing fingers of blame. No more self-deception. Paul says that when we start to do good, in due time we will reap the reward. To close, if you're 25 years or younger, listen closely. There are people in here 45 years and older who are thinking right now, I wish I had heard this when I was 25. And like me, like me, point, point finger here, most of us did hear. We just didn't do it. Or we heard it in another way, but we didn't obey it. I've got time. I don't need to worry. I'm young. I'll get myself out of this. I'll get by. So you drop out of high school. No sin in dropping out of high school, what I'm saying. However, you're going to forfeit over $200,000 in income just by that. So why wouldn't you want to, why wouldn't you want to, pay? well, I want to get out there and get a car and get me an apartment, but no future. And see, then, then as you get older, you have limited skills, you're not as employable, then you can start blaming everybody. You can blame the Democrats, the Republicans, and everybody else. And I'm going to say, no, stupid, you just dropped out. You could have stayed in. You could even go back now and online. We have people that are getting an education online or going night after work to get back ahead, sowing and reaping. 
Yeah, to quit blaming everybody for your dumb choices. I'm going to be honest and tell you about mine. So you be honest and say, it's my fault. It's not somebody else. Well, they made me mad. Well, I'd kill everybody if that were the fact. <laughs> I'd be in jail for murder. If that was, a lot of people make me mad. My wife makes me mad sometimes. I told the military, if you ever want to draft me, you got to get my wife, because she's the only one who make me mad enough to kill. <laughs> All the husbands said amen. My wife knows how. <laughs> Absolutely. I got time. I don't need to worry. No, no, no. So right now, 25 years of age, you start making habits that will follow you into your 40s, 50s, 60s, and on in life. The principle of sowing and reaping will bless you or catch up with you every single time. And God isn't going to change that rule. I hope you'll learn from the past generation or else you're going to be an example of what not to be to the next generation. I want to be a positive impact. Does God love me? Well, of course He does. But He's given me this principle because He does. Does He have compassion on me? Yeah. And I say, well, God, I'm in so much pain. And He says, yeah, I know. I'm sorry. I love you. But I can't be mocked. If I allow you to mock me, the whole universe will fall apart. The ships will sink. The airplanes will fall. The bridge will fall. I love you too much to allow that to happen. But the good news is, just as you've been hurt because of your irresponsibility, in the same way you can be rewarded when you start doing what you should have been doing, and you'll continue to do it, and I promise you'll reap if you don't faint. So take personal responsibility. Don't blame mommy and daddy anymore. Are you taking responsibility for your money, your marriage, your morality, your relationships, your school, and your work? If not, what do you need to change today to bring blessing and favor back into your life? It's not too late to turn it around. And better late than never, than never at all. For more information on Summit Christian Center and Rick Godwin, visit SummitSA.com and connect with us on social media.